It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. We welcome Mark Bavaro to the Giants huddle as part of the 30th anniversary of the 1990 World Championship season. Please check Giants.com for details of MSG Classic's re-airing of Super Bowl XXV. It's a game that will always mean the world to Bavaro. You know, championships are rare. You know, to, I know they, they happen every year, but not the same. People don't always get them every year. Uh, to, to play in the NFL, um, it's the epitome of your your goals. I mean, you, I don't believe that guys come into the league looking for personal glory. I don't. I don't think that that's true in a lot of cases. I think what happens is guys end up settling for personal glory because. They don't get what they really want, and that's championships. Uh, you know, some guys will get stuck on a team where there's just no future, especially back in, in my day, you know, before pre, uh, free agency. Uh, you got stuck on these teams, you know, and you were like, there's no, I got no chance in hell to ever win a Super Bowl. Uh, so then they start thinking about maybe, you know, their personal stats, their personal records, their personal glory. Uh, but I think if every if you ask any football player, you know that, that's made it to the NFL, if they had their druthers, would they rather have personal glory or would they rather be part of a Super Bowl championship team? Then I think that the you know the Super Bowl championship team is going to be the answer all the time because there's there's nothing like it. Uh, you work your whole life to get that ring, you know, to get a chance to play in that game. Um, so when it happens. It's, it's it's indescribable to be honest with you, and for it to happen twice, I was lucky enough to be on a, on on a team that did it twice. I mean, it's it's made my whole life basically. It really has. I mean, I look back, I don't have any regrets. I don't, uh, you know, I don't worry about my injuries. I don't worry about you know uh, maybe sacrificing some stats and and things like that that kept me out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know. I don't. I don't think about those things. I don't regret them, anyways, and um, because I know that I, I was I was part of two teams that did something that is so rare, and I have two rings to show for it. So I mean, it's hard to describe what it is like to, to win a, a Super Bowl championship. I, I'm trying to do my best to tell you how important it is and how the, the high level of magnitude of importance to, um, you know, a, a one single player in a, in a sport that is team-oriented. It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate, and I, I wouldn't trade that away for anything, personal glory or even money, right? I would take those two rings. I would take my teammates from 86 and 90 every time over anything. How different is the 86 championship compared to the 91 uh, when you go back and think about those two titles? Uh, it was different because 86, we kind of had a sense of destiny about us. I think everybody kind of knew, we kind of knew, we, you know, that we were at least going to make a run for it. Um, we just, I think everybody just kind of felt that year it was ours for the taking, and we took it. In 90, and even in, in the other years, too, I mean, 87, 88, 89, I mean, we were always in contention. Even in 85, when I was there, we were in contention. But 86 was that year that we knew it was it was our year. 
the 90 was just kind of like the rest of those other years that I was there with the Giants. Always in contention. We always knew we, knew we were good. We knew we were at the top of the league, you know, and we had a chance. But it was more of a surprise in 90, uh, I think, than in 86. Uh, but it was also more well-earned in 90 than it was in 86. You know, I think this, the, the mojo of everything in 86 was just carrying us to heights, you know, that, you know, we, we knew that we were going to get there. In 90, uh, I don't think anybody really expected to win a Super Bowl. I mean, we were just, we didn't score any points, you know, we were kind of a very boring offense. Um, we, we certainly, we were very different than every other team in the NFL at the time. Uh, we had a we had a great defense, but you know an, an older defense. Our, our stars on defense were were aged, you know, and and injured. You know, Lawrence was starting to get hurt a lot. Kyle Banks was, was had some injury. He played the game with I think in a cast with on a broken hand. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Everson Walls, you know, who was no spring chicken. I mean, <laughs> Lewison. I mean, and we had some great young guys, you know, Mark Collins and a, a lot of other guys. But I mean. It was a pretty, it was a pretty older type of defense, but still very good. And I still think one of the best defenses ever in the NFL. But they weren't the same um, defense in '86. Uh, you know, those guys were in their prime. I would say '90 was was a mix of of a few guys in their prime, but most of the key players were, you know, past their prime. Uh, and the same with the offense for me, anyways. And we had a new quarterback, you know, and Otis Anderson. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, you know, as great as he was. I would, I don't think you would say 1990 was his prime. You know, he, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he was an old war horse by then. Uh, and, a, and a lot of, uh, you know, Maurice Carthen, um, Bart Oates was was there. Uh, we had some good young linemen, but and we had some good young receivers. But you know, Sims was hurt. Costello was new. I mean, it was just a mixed bag of, of everything. I don't think you could look at the 90 team and say they were a team of destiny, you know, whereas you could look at the 86 team and say, yeah, these guys, it's not surprising they won the Super Bowl. I think you would look at the 90 team and say, wow, these guys really, really earned, you know, if any team ever earned and slogged their way to a Super Bowl championship, it was the 1990 Giants. Well, I think when we talk about the 90 team, Mark, I talk about a lot of character and guts, which is kind of what you're alluding to in that that team really had to work for everything that it got. And that was a year after you. You had come off a significant injury. And I remember Parcells used to manage you a lot during the week in terms of, you know, what you could do at practice because they knew that you only had so many snaps and, and you may be on game day. Yeah, I mean... I, I, want, I don't want to say that I was past my prime. I was only 27 years old, um, but I was I was injured. I had a, I was coming off a, a big injury. I really couldn't practice every day with the rest of the team. Um, so that was tricky in itself because that was back in an era where if you didn't practice, you didn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that was a that was a big departure from uh, Parcells' you know normal philosophy towards that. Uh, you know, that, that playing, practicing. Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't know what was going on. I wasn't in the discussions with the coaches as to how they were going to, uh, you know, uh, address my situation. 
I just know, knew that, you know, I practiced as much as I could. Uh, I know I missed a lot. And, but I know I showed up on Sunday and I, I, I felt I was, I was playing, uh, good enough to, to be there. Uh, and they must have felt the same way. Uh, so you'd have to talk to, you know, the coaches, you know, how, how that was set up. I was, I was busy, you know, trying to learn the plays, watch the plays, all the while trying to stay in shape, you know, trying to keep my, my uh, conditioning up. And at the same time, keeping the, the swelling down on my knee and, and keeping that kind of quiet. Uh, it, was a, it was a weird balancing act that whole year. Um, uh, and it was all going on under the radar because everybody else had so many other problems. No one, no one really knew what was going on with me. Um, except me, and uh, I was so happy, boy, when that season was over because it was it was a, it was a tough four or five months there. Well, the team starts off winning nine in a row before the loss to Philly, and then there's that classic seven to three loss in San Francisco when it was a true slugfest, a pitcher's duel in football, if you will, where neither team was able to put up two hundred and fifty yards of offense. Mark, that was a team that you would later beat in the playoffs to go to the Super Bowl. I wonder internally in the locker room, what did you guys think of of your stature and status in the league after that slugfest with San Fran when you you did come up in a seven to three loss? Uh, I think that's one of the you know the, the that's the beauty of of Bill Parcells and, and especially that nineteen ninety Giants team. I don't remember being affected by that game one way or another. You know, I know that we it was a tough loss, especially for us on offense because we, we didn't produce. The defense obviously produced. and I mean, that was the whole story of, of my whole time there at the Giants. You know, without, without that defense, you know, we wouldn't have done anything. I always thought the offense was, was just there kind of complementing the defense. We did just enough, you know, to, to win the games. But the defense is what really drove us. And in that game, you know, we just didn't we we didn't pull our weight. Um, I think what did we score? Just one field goal? That's it. Or zero? I don't even remember. Um, but we couldn't even get on the board really to beat you know, the Forty Nine. So I think just scored one touchdown. So that was pretty pathetic. But I don't think that you know we we didn't we didn't hang our heads. We didn't have a defeatist attitude. I think we just. We put it behind us pretty quick. Parcells wouldn't let you dwell on things like that. I don't think anybody lost any confidence. I don't even, you know, you're asking me the question. I don't even remember what the attitude was because I don't think anything, anything at all changed. You know, we just went right back to business. That was the way we were, we were conditioned to do just like Parcells and Belichick and Belichick does now. You know, you, you forget last week and move on to the next week. And, uh, I don't even think we missed a step to be honest with you. A lot of people thought when Phil Sims gets hurt in the game against the Bills and now the Giants are trying to get into the playoffs and they're going to have to turn to Jeff Hostetler and a lot of folks were starting to write this team off if they had any high hopes for you guys. In retrospect, was there any trepidation at all? I mean, maybe at the time I know you guys didn't say that because you couldn't, but in retrospect... How much did losing Phil shake your confidence, if at all? Um, I mean, listen. To be honest, losing Phil was was huge. You know, I mean, you don't you know you don't just lose your starting quarterback that's been there forever. You don't take that very you know lightly. Um, but 
I mean, I was aware of it. I think everybody was aware of it. But, you know, as far as uh, I was concerned and as far as I think our offense and coaches were concerned, I don't think anybody thought twice about it, you know. Jeff Hostetler, it wasn't like Jeff Hostetler was coming off the bench, you know, and he was some new guy. I mean, we had... We had practice with him. He, we knew he was good. I mean, he, we had had some experience with him in games, not not a whole lot, but we had a lot of experience with him in practice. You know, I knew what he was capable of. Everybody knew what he was capable of, uh, and I knew he was a competitor. I, I didn't, I didn't think twice about losing Phil. Actually, in fact, I thought, I thought that um, uh, Hostella was going to come in and and add. To something that that's you know Sims wasn't really capable of doing, which was was the running aspect of, of the game. I mean, Phil always thought he, he could run, but you know he <laughs> he, he really I, I wouldn't say he was a, he was a running quarterback, but I know he likes sometimes he likes to think of himself like that. But Hostetler was a running quarterback. I mean, he knew how to do it. You know, he had experience doing it, and the coaches knew that. And they built a, a game plan around that ability. And I always thought, you know, that that's what really put us over the top. Instead of knocking us back and maybe knocking us out of contention and, and people losing hope, I saw that as a plus for us. I was like, wow, you know, I think I really think we can do this now. Um, and that's not a knock against them. That's just that's that's a compliment to Hustler. Like I, I was I was always aware, and as well as my teammates, we always knew what he was capable of. Uh, and when he got his chance, boy, he took it and he proved us. He proved me right, anyways. Now, if you ask me, uh, when Hustler got knocked out of the San Francisco game in the in the um, championship game, and Matt Cavanaugh came in. Yes, there was a sense of deflation in the huddle, as far as I was concerned. I was, and I love Matt; he was a, he's a great guy. But I was like, "Where you know, this isn't going to happen, you know, like this." You know, thank God I think Costello came in. Uh, he only missed a couple of plays or whatever. But right. now, if that had if that had stuck, you know, I think I would have, you know, lost my optimism. Well, I think Haas's toughness certainly was on display in that game because, look, he had waited so long to get a chance, and then after finishing the two regular season games, you guys routed the Bears at home in just a, a dominant performance. And then, as you mentioned, that, that San Francisco playoff game to, to stop the three-peat. Mark, i, I got to ask you, the, the game-winning drive when, when Barr kicks the field goal, you catch a key pass. You and I have talked about this over the years near midfield which really helped and sparked the, the winning drive. Otis Anderson had a big run right before Barr's kick as well. Could you take me through that final drive that ended the Niners' three-peat? Uh, I wish I could tell you that I remember it, but I, I really <laughs> don't. Um, I think Baker had a big catch, too. But that, the catch that I caught, <clears throat> it, was a good, it was a good catch, but I was just, you know, I was just standing there. If you, if you ever look at that play from the end zone view, I mean, Hustetler makes this unbelievable throw, almost kind of cross-field throw. I mean, he was on the run going to the sidelines, and he throws the ball almost, you know, almost diagonally back across the field. Uh, I don't know how he saw me. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just another thing that um, made me feel pretty confident about Hustetler. Was just he, he could run, he could think on the run, he could move on the run, he could throw on the run. 
and he was so it wasn't that he could just move. It was he was fast. You know, I think he ran like a four five four six. Like people couldn't catch him, right? So I mean, he could he could move and he could throw that ball and he could he could throw it with authority. Uh, all I, and all I remember on that play is that you know he he just made a, a, an unbelievable throw. It was right in my gut. You know, I didn't didn't even have to you know reach for it, and uh, it was just a, a perfect uh, throw. Where were you when Barr kicked the winning field goal? Um, I don't remember. I, I think I was, I was probably on the sideline. I, I don't think I was watching. You know, back back then I was kind of I was superstitious and I was nervous, and uh, I figured uh, I can't watch this. You know, I don't because if he misses, I'll be I'll be so disappointed, and if he makes it, you know, I'll be so happy. I just like you know, I, I put my head down. I think I prayed and said a little prayer. You know, God, God's will be done. Uh, you know, you you know, your will be done, not mine. Of course, I want to win, but you know, you don't want to pray to to, to make the other guys lose. You know, but uh, I just prayed basically for acceptance of, of whatever the outcome was. And the uh, same thing, same thing with the Super Bowl. You know, against the Bills, said the same, felt the same way. I think I was kneeling down, maybe with a couple other players. I think you know, I'd have to you'd have to show me some film to to prove it, but. I think that's what I was doing. I certainly, I don't think I was standing there uh, watching it. I don't, I definitely, I don't think I watched it. I know that a number of players over the years have told me after winning a Super Bowl that they have not watched the game tape, whether it was the coaches' tape or even the TV tape. Have you watched Super Bowl twenty-five? I've seen. Yeah, recently I saw um, the, the television broadcast. Um, but it's so grainy. It's you know, it's hard, it's really hard to watch. You know, and from the sideline view, it's hard to follow. I would like to someday watch the uh, the game film from the end zone. That's how we used to watch film um, and see how how things happen. But um, yeah, it was a pretty good game. You know, I didn't I didn't realize how how tight it was. I mean, I obviously I knew at the time that it was a, it was a tight game. But all our games were tight in ninety. Um, it was just more of the same. You know. Uh, for that Super Bowl and even and even the, the championship game against uh, the 49ers. Um, but, yeah, you watch it as a fan, and I'm watching it. And one thing that struck me was, you know, really how good uh, my teammates were. You know what I mean? I was always kind of self-centered on what I had to do or what I was doing. You know, I judged the game according to how well I played or how bad I played, whatever. But I never really watched anybody else. I didn't. I, I wasn't uh, too concerned with what everyone else was doing. I knew they were doing their job, but I didn't really appreciate it. But when you watch it, I saw Stephen Baker just recently, and uh, I was like, "Wow, man, Stephen, you know, you were really good, man. I don't. I knew you were good. You had to be good to be there. But like, I never really appreciated how good you were. Same with Mark Ingram, you know. Same with Hostel. Same with Otis, you know, making those runs. Same with Jumbo and." these linemen opening these holes. You know, and then I get to watch the defense, which I, n- I never really do. And you can't really uh, watch it from the sideline during a game anyways. You don't know what's going on. But, man, that defense, they were phenomenal, phenomenal. And I, we always thought, like, we were equals, you know. We're on the same team, equals. But, you know, after watching a few of those 90 games and even the 86 games, you realize, you know, I think I realized finally what everyone else knew all along. That defense was spectacular, and you know we wouldn't have gone anywhere without those guys. We were just we were just kind of there 
you know, uh, like I said before, complimenting what they were doing, you know, scoring just enough points, you know, to win the games because, you know, we were definitely a defensive-driven team uh, with an with a average to good offense, you know. I'm curious, Mark, because the legend has it, and we all know about the game plan that Parcells and Belichick uh, kind of came up with. Okay, let Thurman Thomas get his 100 yards rushing, but we got to stop that Jim Kelly red gun attack. And on offense, we need to control the ball and kill the clock, which, of course, Otis Anderson was a huge part of in that third quarter. As offensive players, were you guys aware of that general philosophy that they were preaching, or did you just get the game plan and say, okay, we have to execute? And if you were aware of it, how did that make you feel going in, in terms of understanding you would have to control the game? Um, I, I'm sure that it was told to us that that was what their, their strategy was. But, look, you know, we, they just give us plays. Right, and we execute the plays one by one. You know, we're not the big picture guys. You know, that's that's the coach's job. So if you tell the offense, hey, listen, we need to hold the ball, you know, X amount of minutes. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, you you got to tell me what to do on this particular play. You know, then you call the next play and 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 tell me what to do on that particular play. So we weren't thinking big picture. At least I wasn't. Anyways, well, all I. All I remember being aware of was we're not going to outscore the Buffalo Bills. We, uh, we, our offense is just not set up for it. We can't score points willy-nilly. <clears throat> you know, coming off the championship game with the 49ers, we didn't even score a touchdown. So I'm like, how are we going to go into this game and beat a team that's putting up 55 points a game? You know, I mean, 55 points for us would be like four games. <laughs> so... But all I knew was that if the defense didn't do what Belichick had had drawn up, we had no chance. I I knew that we had no chance. I knew the offense. I knew we were going to be able to hold the ball. I knew we were going to be able to score, you know, say 15 to 20 points max, maybe maybe 24. Um, But I knew... If, if the if the defense wasn't able to, to calm those guys down and keep them from scoring points that we had no chance so and of course I had I had a lot of confidence in the defense I had a lot of confidence in Belichick I knew if anybody had an answer for the bills it was Belichick and I had a lot of confidence in in us on the offensive side I knew what we were capable of um, but you know when you see a team that's scoring like I said 50 plus points a game every game, you know, doubts creep into your head. You know, you wonder, geez, can they really keep the score low? And they, and not only do you got to keep them, keep it low, you got to keep it really low. You know, you can't keep them to, can't, you can't keep them from 55 points to 30. You know, you can't even keep them from 55 points to maybe 24. Because I don't, I didn't think we were capable of scoring, you know, more than 24 points. So I really, I did have some trepidation going into that game whether we could pull it off or not. But I never had any. Um, doubt that we would be able to control the ball offensively. We just, we were just good at that. I, I knew nobody could really hold up against us uh, for a whole game. That's, you know, from that aspect, my my only concern was really whether the defense was 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 actually going to be able to keep the points that low. And it's it's amazing that that they did. I mean, because Buffalo Bills they were no slouch when it came to scoring uh, points. 
No, and so the historic Parcells era gets two championship rings, and and I can tell just by talking to you today, Mark, it never gets old thinking about those those championship titles. No, I mean, like I said, you know, that's uh, <laughs> hate to sound like a uh, you know an old fogey, but my whole life is is whatever I have, whatever I've done since. I mean, it's all been based on those two championships, you know, because if it, if I those those two had never happened. You know, you would have just been kind of forgotten in the wind, and you know, you know, you would have moved out. More, you know, new players come in, new teams come in, new championships come in. Uh, but because you won those two Super Bowls, right? Every Giant fan, you know, remembers remembers you, remembers my teammates, remembers you know the trophies. They remember watching the video. If they if they haven't seen, if they were too young, if they were too young to watch it live. Their father, who was a Giant fan, has probably shown them a replay of it. So, I mean, we're all very well-versed in that. I mean, look, nobody's going back and watching the 1983 Giants. You know, nobody even can probably can't name a lot of people on the roster in 1983. But Giant fans know who was on the roster in 86. They know who was on the roster in 1990. I mean, and that will, I mean, probably last another generation or so. Well, you know, the 89 jerseys still come to the stadium to this day, Mark, and I don't know that that's ever going to stop. I know you've written a book. You've, you've coached uh, some, some youth football over the years. Uh, w- what are you doing these days as you just try to relax and enjoy the memories? I'm actually working uh, a couple of different things. I work primarily with Phil McConkie. He's president of uh, Academy Securities. It's a, it's a disabled veteran broker dealer. Uh, they have a great outreach to disabled veterans and veterans in general. Um, they they find these guys. They they teach them the ways of Wall Street and they set them up in careers. And also, on the other hand, I'm doing some work with uh, Lawrence Taylor and Otis Anderson at this new company called Tridelix. Uh, they they have this great um, memorabilia type thing. Uh, it's like a, it's like a poster board, but it's 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 um, they call it 5D technology, so there's some depth to it. you gotta, you got to see it to understand what I'm saying, but you, you, people can check it out at tridelix.com. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying that, and I'm at home a lot with my new granddaughter, um, and I'm playing a lot of golf, especially now with the COVID stuff. Uh, uh, everything's good. I'm in, I'm in great health. My, my shoulder, my knee. My back, things are good. good. I, I haven't felt this good in 15, 20 years. Uh, so life's good right now. We wish you the best of luck with all of that, and we hope to see you back at uh, Giants camp sometime soon because it is always a pleasure to welcome uh, 89 back to the home base. Well, thank you very much. It's always good to come back, and it's like like uh, Mr. Myra said, you know, once a Giant, always a Giant. That's That's really been proven to be true. That's Giants legend Mark Bavaro. And don't forget, you can check Giants.com for 30th anniversary information of MSG Classics re-airing of Super Bowl 25. You can always find the Giants huddle on the website and your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, I'm Paul Dottino. So long, everybody.